On today's show, we discuss the power of knowing the rules and we dive into Roth conversion letters, ACA subsidies, and capital gains harvesting. Matt writes in to share how you can get a nursing degree for a fraction of a cost. And Dan writes in to share his family story. Welcome to the ultimate crowdsource personal finance show. This is your Friday Roundup. You're listening to Choose FI Radio. The blueprint for financial independence lives here. If you're looking to unlock the secrets to financial independence and early retirement, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join a community of like-minded people who are getting off the hamster wheel and taking control of their lives in the pursuit of financial independence. Choose FI, your home for financial independence online. guys, welcome to the show. Now, for many of you, maybe you're listening to this as the follow-up to episode 100, which was potentially the first time that you've listened to a Choose FI podcast. This is our Friday Roundup, which truly is a crowdsourced show where we get to bring in our thoughts and feedback on the past week's episode. But I think what is more important is we get to bring in your feedback, your thoughts and ideas. The feedback is sourced from all over the community. They come in from voicemails. They come in from our private Facebook group, comments on the blog. We're able to bring these together and really tell a compelling story about what is going on inside this community and how are you tackling this unique and wonderful path to financial independence. And to help me with this, I have my co-host Brad here with me today. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Jonathan, I am doing quite well. And yeah, you you hit it on the head there. We are really the guides here. We're not these experts from on high. We're trying to tell a story that brings people in, right? And we want this community to be accessible, to be open, to be crowdsourced. And what that means to me is there are hundreds of thousands of people in this community, and each of them have their own unique talents, gifts, little life hacks that can help all of us. And the beautiful thing is you and I don't need to sit and research IRS tax code and we don't need to research every little bit of minutia. We have people who have who have done this and are just itching to tell their story. And that's what we mean when we call this crowdsource. We bring in voicemails, we bring in emails, we have people come on the show and just tell these little important things that they have going in their lives that can help our entire community. And I think it's proven to be a very successful formula on this Friday roundup specifically. And Brad, one of the things that I, I thought would be beneficial was just to kind of highlight the coverage that this community has gotten over the last several weeks. I mean, we've seen featured articles, front page articles on New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Kiplinger. I mean, basically every mainstream reputable newspaper in the country, in the world, BBC has started to talk about this movement. And depending on the 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 slant of the article, the slant, the, the angle that's being taken, it's incredible to me how messaging matters. Uh, and in fact, in probably the most blatant example that I can think of this past week, Wall Street Journal, which gave a full front page feature to the financial independence community or the fire movement, they released it on both the, the web page and on their print version as well. And I was wondering, because I think for compare and contrast, I know you subscribed to Wall Street Journal and you got a copy of the paper in the mail. What was the title they used on the print article? Yeah, I'm holding it right now. And it says, could you retire at 40 to leave the workforce decades early? Some young people radically restructure their lives. Okay, that sounds really cool. I would be very interested in that. 
Uh, let me read for you, compare and contrast here, the exact same article that was published on uh, their webpage. It was called, this is the same article, The New Retirement Plan, Save Almost Everything, Spend Virtually Nothing. <laughs> Those are the exact same articles. And, and the point being that messaging matters, right? How The frame absolutely matters. And depending on the biases of the originator of the content, that is going to directly impact your willingness to explore this community or the content that this community is producing. I think both of us were simultaneously excited for the mainstream coverage that we're seeing, but at the same time, a little wary of the mainstream media being able to tell us as a community who we are. Yeah. I mean, I think you and I have tried from the very beginning to a understand that messaging matters and b to paint this in the most positive light. Right. Like you and I genuinely believe from the core of our beings that this Phi lifestyle is a superpower that enables us to basically see the world differently and to focus on what actually matters in our lives. And I think when I see an article like this and, and this was not a hit job, it wasn't the worst article I've ever read. Certainly there were many aspects of it that made sense and that were actually positive about the Phi community. But I think like the undertone of it to me was this subtle negativity and these subtle digs at basically things like brown bananas and bloggers making a lot of money and, and in essence calling them frauds, even though those words weren't used, obviously, but just the deprivation. And that to me was what really shone through in this, that it's pretty much saying to anybody who read it, oh, that's not for you. That's for someone who's willing to go through X, Y, and Z deprivation to get to this elusive early retirement. And I just reject that entirely. I don't think anything about this lifestyle is based on deprivation. And to see there being any negative light, because to me, like this Phi lifestyle is just the obvious choice. It's this wonderful life that I've been afforded just because I've been intentional about my life for the last 16 years, let's say. Ever since I joined the workforce, I've been saving money not by means of deprivation, but by means of being very intentional about what I value. And to me, I don't value expensive meals out. I don't value new cars every couple of years. I have a 15 year old car. I don't value expensive, large houses. That's just not my thing. But what I do value is time with my family and friends and to live a life where I can impact the world. And that's the craziest thing, Jonathan. And I never could have foreseen this, honestly, but you and I are now impacting this world in a positive way by virtue of this podcast. And frankly, I never would have had the space in my life to even contemplate this if I hadn't started saving money when I was 22 years old. And again, it's not deprivation. It's about moving towards a life that you desire and that you actually get fulfillment out of, as opposed to this empty, vapid life of just buying things all the time. That's the brain dead choice. Think about what you actually want out of life. That's what I would implore everyone listening to this podcast, everyone reading the Wall Street Journal and Bloomberg and wherever they're finding this community. Think about what do you want out of your life? And speaking of wanting a better life, how many articles have we read talking about the grim future of millennials, right? In fact, I'm thinking of an article here on Bloomberg uh, was released in June 2018. America's millennials are waking up to a grim financial future. 
job prospects, savings, safety nets, life expectancy, the data show just how bad a mess they face. And this is just parroted by tons and tons of other articles talking about how bad millennials actually have it. But then now you have a cohort of individuals and actually a really large enough of a cohort that it's actually being described as a movement that's transforming the world. You have these reputable news organizations actually now bagging on them for now taking control of their finances. Proof of point, an article that was just released again by Bloomberg, the radical saving trend is based on fantasy. The Bloomberg article brings up really important points like what's wrong with consumption? What's wrong with working? What's the point of savings? Like, (laughs) well, have you read your first article? The future is uncertain. And apparently for millennials, the future is rather grim. Make up your minds. You bag on millennials if if they take control and you bag on millennials if they don't. You know, and I think the point is once you see it, once you see that the only fixed non-renewable resource is your time, it makes sense to reprioritize your time around the things in life that bring you the most value. And I think most of us, if we, were, if we were to write out a list of the top 10 things we value the most, stuff is going to be pretty far down on that list. When you're at your end of life and you're looking back, you don't say, I wish that I had always had the latest iPhone. You're not going to be thinking, man, if only I had avoided driving used cars. Gosh, you know, inevitably it comes back to time with friends and family, time with the people you value, experiences, impact. Hopefully what we'll be able to do with the episodes that we've released up to this point and honestly where this content goes into the future is continue to highlight the nearly infinite number of ways that people have made a choice to reclaim control of their life through the pursuit of financial independence. And Jonathan, this certainly isn't just about millennials and it's certainly not just about people who are looking to retire early or retire at all. I think it's a cute little acronym, right? FIRE. It sounds fantastic, but it's really a distraction because the retire early doesn't factor into anybody's life that I know of inside this community. I think people are not looking for lives of leisure. They're not looking to sit around on a couch and watch TV all day. They're looking to make an impact on the world. They're looking to spend their time how they see fit. That message of optimism and hope really resonates with people. And I think that's why this is becoming a movement. And we get to decide how we in our own lives portray this to our family and friends and colleagues. And they see us and not just me and you, obviously I'm talking about the hundreds of thousands of people in this community. They see us living these wonderful lives of abundance and not deprivation. It's not about brown bananas. It never has been. It never will be. It's about making choices that you deem are the best for your life. Let's be clear here. It's about taking action. You can't sit by and let life just pass you by and be a spectator and maybe even just listen to a couple podcasts, read some articles and think you're going to ever get to FI or anything positive is really going to happen in your life different than what it is today. You have to get off the couch and take action and make your life better. So there are hundreds of different levers, as we call them, to pull to get you to a better life, to get you to a financially independent life even. It's not our place, Jonathan, me and you. It's not our place to tell anyone what they need to do to get there. You get to decide. That's the beautiful part. This is a choose your own adventure. So you might decide you want to move to a lower cost of living area, or you might decide you're going to move to a higher cost of living area. And I wouldn't bat an eyelash. It's not my place. But what I ask is that you're intentional about your life. And then you make decisions that are going to make your life better 
one year, five years, 20 years from now. That's the key. Get up off the couch and take action. And Brad, the other thing that strikes me when I see these these news organizations talk about the FI community, and there's a couple that have really tried to separate themselves from this, but I think it's very easy to try to put the the financial independence community inside of a little box and say that it is just white male tech engineers. And I think it's obvious that that is just simply not true. At a very small scale inside of our private Facebook group, well over 50% of the people in that group are females. And I would say that less than 1% of those individuals are even software engineers. So, I mean, I, th- where, I don't know, that's just a trope and I don't even know where it really comes from, but it's clearly untrue. And, and to the same degree that this isn't just for software engineers, it, it's also ludicrous to say that we are all living in vans down by the river or that we're all interested in extreme frugality. Financial independence is like a unifying theory of life optimization. It frankly has nothing to do with attempting to live on less than $7,000 a year and purchasing brown bananas, which by the way, we're leaning on the brown bananas here because Wall Street Journal felt like that was worth the top two paragraphs of the article. Yeah, it's all very silly. And, and you know, let's talk positively here for a couple of minutes. We have a lot of people new to the podcast in this episode. Let's talk about our own lives for a minute. I want to talk about what I've done, what my family has done to reach financial independence. And I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. So I'll just kind of jump right into it. We, to all outward appearances, live a middle or even upper middle class life. Nobody would ever know or even guess that we're financially independent or have this insane savings rate of who knows, 50 to 70%, depending on the year. There's no way anybody would guess that because we're not living this life of deprivation. We're living just this wonderful life of abundance. And I hate to keep saying that, but it's true. What we've done is we've set up a framework of a life where we don't spend on things that are irrelevant to us. And we spend on things that are important to us. So for us, getting to financial independence was maybe three or four different main topics. So that's, that's how we approach this, the framework. So clearly for us, it was housing first. We used to live on Long Island, New York, which is a high cost of living area. My wife and I, when we got married, we realized even in our mid twenties that we did not want that lifestyle. We were both working for major international accounting firms. And we saw these partners who were working 60, 80 hours a week just to afford this lifestyle. And it just didn't make any sense to us. That wasn't the pot at the end of the rainbow. That was just more time at work. That made no sense. So we realized very quickly we needed to get off of Long Island. That was a big step. So I don't want to make light of it or, oh, this was just some simple thing we did. But it was a very intentional move we made at 25, 26 years old to do this. And we moved down south to Richmond, Virginia. None of our family or friends were here, but we've made a a wonderful life here. We've been living here now for 13 years. The cost of living here is probably a third to maybe 40% of what we would have paid on Long Island. That one decision has saved us probably a couple thousand dollars a month. I kid you not. And obviously that's, let's say $20,000 a year at minimum, maybe 20 to $30,000 a year minimum that we would have just been spending. Most of it would have been to interest on our mortgage or a tiny little bit would have been extra to principal. But for all intents and purposes, that's interest expense. So that's the big thing. Cars are the other. We have two 15-year-old cars and they run perfectly well. They don't look like 1970s 
beat up jalopies or anything. They're, they're these nice Hondas and Toyotas and they run fine and they're just lovely little cars, right? And that works for us. And we haven't had a car payment in 10 years. And when you talk about, let's say $400 a car each, every single month for 10 years, that adds up to an astronomical amount of money. And for me, the other major, major category is food. We don't go out to eat all that often. And not that we don't like it or that we're depriving ourselves. My wife is a great cook. She loves to cook. She loves to experiment. We eat in all the time and it saves us a ton of time. It's much, much healthier. And clearly it saves a lot of money. We probably only spend about $2 per person per meal on dinners. And again, that's not depriving in any way. We're eating what I consider gourmet meals. And it's really a fun thing that we get to do together. So just those three items have saved us minimum $3,000 a month, I would say, at this point, certainly as compared to our life as it would have been on Long Island. I mean, that's $36,000 a year. We're talking somewhere right in that vicinity, just there with those three structural things. And that's certainly not dumpster diving or as you hear in the media, oh, you could never have a Starbucks or anything like that. No, we live our lives how we want. At the margins, we do all those things that everybody else does, but we've set up a life that just doesn't cost that much. And Brad, you bring up a, a very interesting point and it reminds me of a question that I saw from Douglas on Twitter. And he says, would this movement, the fire movement exist if people simply liked what they did for a living? Kind of, well, hey, why don't you just do what you love? And I think that speaks perfectly to me because, you know, it's not just me that was kind of a little bit, I don't know, how do you say it? Meh, when it came to my chosen career, the career that I chose at the age of 17 years old and then spent the next eight years pursuing and then four years paying off my student loan debt. And by the time I got to the end of that, that choice that I made at the age of 17 and now I'm 32 and I'm finally back to broke, I'm like, you know, this really doesn't light me up anymore. It's not just me that was kind of unsatisfied with my chosen career. There was a study done in 2017 that basically said that 67% of Americans are either actively unhappy or disengaged from their jobs. So while I don't think that the FI movement is an anti-job movement, I think it's incredibly powerful to point out that the pursuit of financial independent de-risk the individual from pursuing what it is that they love by maybe rectifying a decision that they made in their teens from maybe a position of somewhat kind of fear, right? I need to make sure that I make it. I need to make sure that I provide for my family. So I'm going to pick one of these very safe lanes, maybe stay inside of the STEM world and allows them to pursue a career or a job based on their passion, what it is that lights them up. And frankly, it was the pursuit of financial independence that allowed me to do that. I mean, that, that, think about that. It was, it was not reaching financial independence that allowed me to find a side hustle that lights me up. And frankly, now I can look back and say that, you know, I'm actually having a small impact on the world with this side hustle, but it was the fact that I was able to get to a point where I had no debt, where I had a significant savings rate, where I had bootstrapped my lifestyle. So it just didn't cost that much. Well, imagine this, like, let me paint this scenario for you. If I still had a hundred thousand, 200,000 in student loan debt, and on top of that, my life cost 80, 90, $100,000 a year to maintain because I'm financing a huge home and a brand new car and, and all the trappings that come with maybe an upper middle class lifestyle. If that's the frame, 
it's very risky for me to ever walk away from the career that's supporting that. How could I hope to do that? Because ultimately I'm responsible to my family to make sure that we're keeping the lights on, that we're putting food on the table. That's a very risky proposition. But through the pursuit of financial independence, through the pursuit of paying down all of my debt, getting my lifestyle down to a very lean, at one point it was close to $30,000 a year, and through the pursuit of then starting a side hustle on the side, I took all that risk and I threw it out the window and it just is a choice that made sense. And when at some point this little podcast kind of exploded, right, at the beginning of 2017 and when it started to just started to cover my bills, I was able to make a choice that allowed me to pursue a side hustle that I could thrive in and frankly walk away from a 12-year decision in a career that no longer lit me up. And that's frankly that's a that's a choice that I want everybody to have the opportunity. Not you I get it. It's not going to be a podcast, it's not going to be a blog. This is not a start a podcast or a blog show. But it is a podcast about reclaiming your life and what it is that you value in this life. And if you find that you're living for the weekend, oh man, it's Monday again. That means that you have written off 68% of your life. 68% of your life you're drifting so you can get to the weekend. And you're doing that in the prime of your life. It's a bad strategy. It's a bad investment. Let's start thinking about what it looks like to design our future now. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to get some financial bandwidth, to get some space between the financial cliff. And the most obvious way to do that is to pursue financial independence. So Jonathan, I love the sentiment, obviously, but I think you got your math a little bit wrong there. Five out of seven is 71.4%, not 68, but, uh, but yeah, I'm totally with you. (laughs) Thanks for (laughs) correcting the record. This is why we keep you on board. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, resident accountant, right? <laughs> <laughs> We've got a fact checker here. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, what I thought we could do with the remainder of the episode is actually walk through uh, just a, what practical implementation of a few of these ideas actually looks like. I mean, there's a few things that we talked about in this past week's episode, and we could show you how powerful they are. It's frankly, it's the power of knowing the rules. And Brad, while much of this episode to this point has kind of been theory, right? It's been the why of I, why make this choice? I think one of the things that has given this show legs and made it such a valuable asset for people on the path to financial independence is how actionable it is, that there's information here that is worth hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to an individual that prior to this didn't know the rules. And in the financial independence community, we have access to some tools that maybe the outside world frankly, they're just not even aware of it. It's rarely talked about. Yeah, Jonathan, knowing the rules that you just said there, knowing the rules, that's something that has been a theme throughout our entire podcast. And I think it's where the financial independence community really shines. There are so many opportunities that are available to us, to people who are following this path, because potentially income may be lower at a quote retirement date or a date where you stop your traditional work and maybe you pursue lower paid work, right? So you have some flexibility with, with income. You also have flexibility because you've been in all likelihood maxing out your pre-tax buckets, right? Your retirement buckets, your 401ks, your traditional IRAs, your 403bs, 457s, HSAs, all these things. You've been maxing these amounts out and you have tons of money sitting there that is potentially going to be taxed when you pull it out, right? Because that's actually a taxable event. If you took $20,000 out of your 401k, that goes on your tax return. But again, the beautiful thing of following this path is 
you have some flexibility and you have understanding of the rules to know that, okay, if I pull that money out when I have a low enough income, then maybe it's zero in that year that I pulled money out. My other income was zero and that $20,000 is my only taxable income. Well, if I'm married filing joint and I get a $24,000 standard deduction, then my tax rate is zero, right? So obviously in this funny hypothetical, I would actually say, of course, you should take out a minimum of 24,000 because that's all tax at 0%. So you put it in when you deferred that money, right? You put in your 401k, that was a tax deduction in the year you did that. And then when you're pulling it out, you're paying $0 in tax. So you've managed something that most people couldn't even dream of, but by knowing the rules, you can take advantage of. And I want to, there's so many other aspects that this applies to knowing the rules. That's like, that's, that's gotta be like a theme for this particular episode. It affects your cost of healthcare. I mean, in the United States, currently we have the ACA and the ACA has subsidies intact and the subsidies are actually pretty generous. They go, they're in place for people that make up to 400% of the federal poverty level. So in 2018, these numbers change for a family of two. That number is $65,840. If you're, and this is based on modified adjusted gross income. If your modified adjusted gross income is frankly a dollar over that, $100 over that, whatever. If it goes over that amount, your subsidy disappears in an instance. And frankly, your healthcare, your healthcare will go from maybe costing a hundred, a couple hundred dollars a month to well over a thousand dollars a month. I mean, that's an insane subsidy cliff. And literally the difference is whether or not you put some money into your 401k or not for that individual that is making right at maybe $80,000 a year, but is bringing it all home because they have a ton of debt or they're financing everything. They have to take all of their income. Well, their life just got a lot more expensive. If that same individual is able to max out their 401k, that's going to then bring them down below that level. And then not only were they paying themselves first and funding their perpetual money-making machine, right? Building towards their financial independence goal. But on top of that, they're now eligible for a subsidy and their life is automatically $1,000 a month less expensive if they're responsible for covering their own healthcare cost. That's insane. I didn't make the rules on this. I'm not saying how it should or shouldn't work. It's just, it is what it is. And knowing the rules and for this particular individual is worth well over a thousand dollars a month. Yeah. Another one where knowing the rules comes in handy is with college. We've seen many universities that have programs that offer free tuition or free tuition plus room and board. If you get accepted to that university and you make less than a certain amount of money and it just Jonathan in our own state, we've seen two of the elite private universities, which are Washington and Lee and the university of Richmond they both offer programs like this. And I think the income limits are, are pretty substantial. I want to say it was $75,000 for Richmond and maybe a hundred thousand for Washington and Lee. Don't, don't quote me on that, but it was somewhere right in that vicinity. And I know a lot of other universities around the country have similar programs. So if you're making under that amount and your child gets accepted there, then they can go for free. So again, it's knowing the rules. Well, and you know, frankly, this isn't finding the ethical line and then flirting with it. This is looking at life across the board, just looking at the problem a little bit differently. Let's look at pursuing a career path. Matt shared this in a group and it's an article that we'll have linked up. It's called nursing shortage, fast pass to the middle class. 
And Matt says the nursing shortage is an opportunity for Americans to make a career pivot into a great profession. There's an absurd educational requirement where you can either little contrast here. You can either spend upwards of $140,000 and take four years. That's option a, or you can spend as little as $5,000 and it'll only take two years. Either way you get paid the exact same amount. That can't possibly be true. How could that possibly be true? Jackie comments in the group. She says, it's so true. I went back to school to change careers to nursing. We were stationed in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So we invested in a $4,000 education locally. Then we were restationed to Southern California where I made $90,000 my first year as a practicing RN. And that figure only grows with experience and job opportunity out here. One of the best financial investments and decisions we made as a military spouse working on financial independence. So my friends, the point with this is not to tell you what you have to or cannot do, but rather provide you with an a la carte menu of these amazing ways that other people have looked at the same problem that maybe we thought was insurmountable and just sidestepped it and got themselves to financial independence so much faster. It's incredible. It's incredible what is out there when you're exposed to it. And you just, you simply don't know what you don't know until you do. And let me tell you, Brad, one of the things that I didn't fully appreciate is how powerful these small tools are that we talk about in the financial independence community, like the Roth conversion ladder and capital gains harvesting. It's not something that we frankly see out in mainstream advice because it's not really viable for people that are outside the stealth wealth community. It's not really viable for people that are first willing to decrease their lifestyle by focusing on value. And I'd love for you maybe just to quickly in passing, talk about Roth conversion, capital gains, harvesting. Why is it so powerful for the stealth wealth community? Yeah, Jonathan, this again is just a perfect example of knowing the rules. And what was interesting was you and I saw this very specifically at the Chautauqua event that we went to recently in Greece, we had a one-on-one and these two tools came in perfectly handy for this one couple that we met with. And it's going to enable them to get to their financial independence number so many years before they had thought in their minds. So, I mean, you know that this is real and it's amazing. So the essence here of the Roth IRA conversion ladder and capital gains harvesting is ultimately to pay little or no tax, right? That's the beautiful part of any type of advanced tax planning, but but these are really unusual ones. So let's talk Roth IRA conversion. So we had actually went in depth on this on episode 17R. So I would advise anyone who wants to really learn more about this to go back and listen to that particular episode. But yeah, the Roth IRA conversion ladder is actually, it's not starting with the Roth IRA. That's the beautiful part here. It's starting with your traditional IRAs and your 401ks, okay? So for many people, that might be their largest asset balance, right? This is money, hopefully they've been stocking away every single year for retirement, and now they have amassed a fairly significant amount. But let's say they want to retire before 59 and a half, which is that that magical age when you're allowed to access these penalty-free. And yeah, this is kind of one of those sticking points for many people who are potentially thinking about retiring early is, well, I have all this money for retirement, but how do I actually access it? That's the beautiful part of controlling your tax rate, controlling your income, your expenses, all these things, they lead towards this point where you can potentially pay $0 in tax on this massive amount that you've built into your 401k. So 
really simply, when you take money out of that account, it is a taxable event. Let's say you take out 30 grand, that $30,000 goes on your tax return as income when you pull it out of a 401k. That obviously, if you're making $100,000 as your family income and you pull out 30,000 more, then your income goes up to 130K and all of that 30,000 you just took out gets taxed at the top marginal bracket that you're in there. So you're paying a fairly significant effective tax rate on that amount of money that you took out just by virtue of you already having other income. But now if you got to a place where you're not making much other income, whether you've fully retired or you're just pursuing some type of passion project and you're just simply not making that much, well, then you have a lot of space potentially with that standard deduction and with maybe some other deductions that you have to drive your tax rate down to almost zero. So in an example where you're making no other money, right, and you took out $30,000 from your 401k, well, 30,000 goes on as income, but at worst, just back of the envelope, you get a $24,000 standard deduction as a married filing joint tax return, and therefore your total taxable income, again, this is the simplest way, is just $6,000. It's that 30,000 minus the 24 gets you to six, and that's only taxed at 10%. So you're talking literally $600 in tax on that $30,000 you took out. I mean, that's 2%. That's absolutely astounding. And what I love about this, Brad, is that, you know, these aren't tax hacks for the ultra elite wealthy. <laughs> you know, the ultra 0.01 percenters out there that have trust funds and teams of lawyers. These tax hacks, these are available to us as the middle class. And they're available to us because we live far below our means and it gives us massive flexibility with the tax code. There's another one called capital gains harvesting. Kind of the same idea. It works for us because we're the stealth wealth community. We did a case study. Brad was talking about the Roth conversion ladder. We talked about that in episode 17R. In episode 18R, we followed up talking about capital gains harvesting. You can expand this out. And basically, again, if you fall, if, if you're in the place where you're living well below your means and you have this lifestyle that's falling somewhere in the fifty dollars to $60,000 range, and simultaneously you have a significant amount of money in investments, it gives you this massive window where while normally for most people, whatever they have in taxable investments, they are going to owe taxes on the gains. For you, if you are able to draw this out in the 15% marginal tax bracket or below, your gains, you're still telling the government to tax you, but the government, the way they've written the tax code currently says, no, you're fine. You don't need to pay taxes on that, or rather you'll pay taxes on it but it'll be a 0% tax. And that's insane. It just gives us options. It gives us flexibility. I don't want to beat this episode into the ground by going into all the details and we've done it. We've gone into a lot of depth in episode 18R, but between those two, it becomes a superpower. It really, really does. And if you can pull this off again, Brad, it's like this relatively short period of time, 10 to 15 years you're basically done. I'm not telling you that you don't need to work anymore, that you have to quit. This isn't about retirement. It's about giving you options. It's about giving you flexibility. It's about giving you the choice to make a decision that's in your best interest and your family's best interest. And I'm telling you, it's a superpower, but it's not a superpower where you need to get bitten by a radioactive spider. You just need to know the rules. And it's, it, it's, it's simple. It's almost too simple, but it's so powerful. 
And Brad, I, I want to say that, frankly, math is boring, right? I mean, if it's just numbers, it's boring. What brings it all together is when you can tell a story with it and when you can highlight someone's individual story. And, and Dan shared his with us. Uh, he wrote us this email and he says, since you've asked for personal stories on your last roundup, here is ours. Right out of college, we financed a bed, some furniture, two cars, and two years later bought a house. Basically, we did everything we shouldn't have done, and we're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Right before we bought the house, I found Dave Ramsey, which helped set a plan on paying off the credit cards in the car. After paying off the cars, I didn't like the rest of his plan, so I began roaming the internet. Last year, I found Bobby's blog, Millennial Money Man, which led me to the world of personal finance blog. This led me to Mr. Money Mustache, and soon after, around January of 2018, I found your podcast. After binge listening to all the episodes of Choose FI, I eventually got my wife to start listening to a few episodes. It took her some time, but eventually she got hooked and listens more regularly. I would say she is fully on board this adventure. Recently, we have decided to make a huge life change. Last year, we paid off our cars, our only debts, and now we only owe on our home. Uh, we also got pregnant last year. Our son was born in April of 2018. In August, we decided that my wife will be a stay-at-home mom with our son. Her last day at work is September 28th. Although we are nowhere near FI, we have a game plan now. We were saving 40 to 50% of our income, but now with her not working, I expect that we'll be saving around 15%. We will probably be considered low-income firewalkers as we make less than 50K now. However, due to the knowledge, saving tips, cost-cutting, and all the other hacks from all of the guests and you, we feel that we will end up better off. I expect that we will live a more fulfilled and happy life due to the lower stress and more time with the kiddos. We have found that it's not all about the money. It's about living the life that fits us. You guys have encouraged us to take action, and that is what we are doing. On top of my wife being a stay-at-home mom, she has started to venture into side hustles. She recently started her own eBay store, selling other people's clothes, and her own blog, hellobrownlow.com. Although her stopping work is going to set our fight date back many, many years, we feel that this is the right step for us in our life right now. I mean, Brad, that's the full story right there. Design your future. Yeah, and take action. That is what we always say. And Dan captured it so perfectly. Take action, control your life, and move forward in the direction that you want your life to look like. And they said they want to spend more time with their kiddos, and they set it up perfectly for that. So yeah, thank you, Dan, for sending that in. And and yeah, it kind of reminds me that I have a little frugal win of the week. I think that's one of the things we like to highlight here on the podcast is just these little ways that we're saving money. And I actually, Jonathan, I didn't tell you this story, but I was coming back from Greece when we were at the Chautauqua and I'm in the Istanbul, Turkey airport. I'm online for security. And for some stupid reason, when I'm showing them my passport, I decided to take my glasses off because in my passport picture, I have no, no glasses. And literally the arm broke on my glasses. I'm like, Oh no, this is just a disaster. I, how bad luckily, is your vision? My, my vision is terrible. I mean, I, I like, it's like 2,500 or something. I mean, it's, terrible. So, I mean, for me to not have my glasses would be a catastrophe, especially on a 11 hour flight home. So luckily I did have my contact lenses in my, uh, in my suitcase. So I was able to put them in, but yeah, it was just, I looked like this sketch ball basically with these glasses hanging off of me. But what happened was I went home, I figured I was going to have to buy an entirely new pair of glasses that it would cost me, I don't know, hundred, two hundred $200. I mean, they're, they're fairly expensive, but Somewhere in the recesses of my mind, I remembered that I bought these particular glasses at Walmart 
So I went in there and basically just wanted to see if they could possibly fix this arm on my frames. The woman took one look at it and she's like, those things are done. So I, I, you know, again, I'm fearing the worst because it was years ago. It's probably five years ago that I bought these. So you have to get new lenses and get them cut properly, et cetera, et cetera. But the woman who was helping me actually said, Hey, let me take a look in the computer and see if we still have those frames. And she looked it up and lo and behold, they not only had the frames, but Jonathan, it was incredible. These frames were on their sale rack. They were $9, literally $9. That's pretty good, man. I got to think you were expecting to spend what? Well over a hundred all, all in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I figured it was going to be a hundred to $200 and yeah, just by them looking it up and me going back to that exact same spot, I didn't need the new lenses because these frames were the exact same size. So they took the frames off the $9 rack, dumped in my lenses and I walked out with my glasses. It took me five minutes and $9. So that was a big frugal win for the week. Well, yeah, exactly. So, so the, the acronym there being FWOTW, we, we try to make our acronym <laughs> super simple so they can really have a chance of going viral. We're going to get those bumper <laughs> stickers printed up for 2019. Brad, your car, your 2003 Honda Civic, man, that thing, I'm going to buy the first FWOTW bumper sticker and place it on there for you. Uh, cause that thing is winning, but yeah, absolutely to our community. If you have a frugal win of the week, we would love for you to share it with us and with our community. That's what this episode is all about. All right, man. I think that's going to bring this episode to a close. Now to our audience, as you know, we'd like to finish every episode by doing a drawing for a copy of a book that we have found useful. And there's three books that we offer. The first is JL Collins book, the simple path to wealth. The second is Dominic Cortuccio's book, design your future. And the third book from Vincent Puglisi, freelance to freedom. If you want to enter the drawing, all you need to do, just go to chooseifi.com slash iTunes, follow the instructions there to leave us a short written review, and then send us an email to feedback at chooseifi.com, letting us know that you left a review and what screen name you left it under. We give away one book for every five written reviews that we get, and we announce the winner on the Friday roundup. And Brad, how many winners do we have today? All right, Jonathan, we have one winner today, and the winner is Renata. And Renata said, hi, guys, I want to express my thanks to you for all your hard work in discussing relevant and actionable topics on the podcast. I'm a third generation Phi. I come from a long line of frugal family. My dad was a military man and raised eight kids with my mom staying home and saved half their income. We flipped houses starting in the early 70s. We as kids got a kickback for all our hard work. We all went to college debt free and all but one of us own our own business. We were taught early that we didn't need a lot to be content, to work hard, to provide a good service, and to volunteer regularly and often. I'm in my early 50s and have reached FI, but I've started a business this year as a financial coach. I have found my passion in helping others have hope for a better financial future. Your podcast is one that I recommend regularly to my clients. I love how you don't judge. You teach. You don't say this is the only way, but say this might work for you. I love how you have a wide variety of guests that are living out what they are teaching. I'm thoroughly enjoying your Facebook group and have connected with many in the local group. I think the Choose FI communities are a great way to provide encouragement and hope for us like-minded individuals. Lastly, the premise of engineering your life is one of my favorite topics. My college sophomore has recently changed her major to one that she believes will more closely align with her values, hopes, and dreams for her future. Thank you for the impact you are making in our communities. Your reach continues to grow and your influence will be felt for years to come by ever increasing numbers of financially savvy followers. 
been a wild ride, guys. We're two years in and there's so much more to come. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. The fire is spreading. We'll see you next time as we continue to go down the road less traveled. You've been listening to Choose FI Radio Podcast, where we help middle-class America build wealth one life hack at a time.